0: Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno-Wizard. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it is August 16th, 8.42am, um, and uh, I'm going to do it in the morning this time, and once again, because uh, I'm going to be busy this afternoon, but um, I wanted to discuss yet another Lux Friedman podcast. <laughs> I really like his podcast, I'm sorry, it's just great stuff. Especially the fact that he has long interviews he usually goes pretty 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 much pretty well into death or into some death um with a pretty inter- interesting variety of people. And uh this time he spoke to I looked it up this time somebody called by the name of Magat. Magat Wade Awade. Um and it is the first Probably maybe the first um, African woman he spoke to and uh, that was very interesting she's very you know enthusiastic (laughs) Uh, woman and everything like that Um, I was gonna say inspirational as well stuff like that but we'll get into that (laughs) not to say she isn't like she was really fantastic and I really loved um, the fact that she was really focusing on Africa and talking about like how awesome Africa is and can be, and so that was that was really fantastic to see. Especially because unfortunately, I don't think um, Africa's really on Lex Fridman's radar like that. Or at least wasn't until you know um, the speaker. Um, and unfortunately, that's 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 how it is for a lot of people, right? They don't really think about Africa. Um, and that's just you know unfortunate, but after today, <laughs> I think that's gonna change, or after you know that interview, I think that's gonna change for him. He's probably gonna have more folks on from Africa. I think he he saw you know the kind of glaring hole um he's been missing there um but yeah, this one was great because whatcott was talking about uh she's from Senegal, and then she moved to I think France or something like that when she was younger around seven or eight, and then um, she moved to America, San Francisco, um, and started her own business, went back to Africa to grow it, or try to grow it, and then now she's living in Texas, in Austin. So uh, she, you know, kind of a citizen of many different places, and has know these different viewpoints on different things and things like that and uh, she was talking about how difficult it is to create a business in Africa and um, a huge reason for that is because of the massive amount of ridiculous corruption and and um, laws quote-unquote laws in place (laughs) you know that makes it really difficult to do these sorts of things and uh, what I really enjoyed as well was how she was pointing out that, you know, she was curious too about like why is Africa, you know, not not um, as big as it can be or should be, right? Especially when you consider that it ha- it is one of the most populated. It w- it is the largest continent in the world, right? It has um, probably the largest amount of youth in the world. I think they they said they have like seventy five percent of the population of of the continent is is uh kids like people under the age of 25, 75 <laughs> percent. So it's like I think there's about a billion people in Africa, so it's about 700 million <laughs> kids. That's that's insane, right? Um, and then uh, what are some other stats she mentioned? She mentioned um, 54 or 50 something different countries. Um, so it's very diverse as well. A couple other things, but I, I just love you know, she was she was putting all that out there because <laughs> people again, people don't really think about this. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's what she was saying. So she was saying how you know she was wondering, okay, why is Africa so underdeveloped? You know? Um, is it really the people? Is it the culture? Is it this? Is it that? All right? Um, these are the same things people ask her. Like she's been around and people always tell her, Oh, you know. It's you know the IQ, right? Their IQ is lower, or you know the culture, or, you know folks are lazy, or this, that, and the other, or you know this, that, all these, all, all these, you know, <laughs> very much racist ideas. People um love to love to say, oh, this is why Africa is poor. But what she saw was that that doesn't really make sense because every single time you take you know African you know people out of Africa and put them in another place. Uh, whether it be America or Europe or whatever, they excel, <laughs> right? And um, anybody that that knows African people, you you can probably say the same, right? Like <laughs> um, there's don't get me wrong, there's some problems with uh, how certain certain types of people behave, uh, especially certain Nigerians. I don't know, <laughs> they have a lot of pride, but um, nonetheless, like they're incredibly you know driven, intelligent, and all this other stuff. And they always, like, excel into either starting their own business or getting into some role or anything like that, right? Very much similar to pretty much any type of immigrant. Um, this, is, this is similar to, you know, many immigrants from many different places. This is how, you know, they kind of, it, it works. You, you take them out of their, you know, quote-unquote poor country or whatever. You put them in one of these, quote-unquote, developed countries. And now they're exceeding and all this other stuff. They're doing, you know, pretty pretty damn well. Um, so she was like, huh. Seems to me it's not really the people, it's not really, you know, the culture, because a lot of them still bring their same culture over, Um, It's not this, that, and the other. What seems to be the problem is that in Africa, in many of these places, it's too difficult for people to make a living on their own. It's too difficult for people to be entrepreneurs. It's too difficult for people to, you know, live a comfortable life. Right, not just because it is under underdeveloped or whatever. That is like the the symptom. That's the uh, result <laughs> of this core problem of people not having the financial freedom, right, to actually do what they want to do and create and and solve problems and so on and so forth. And she had a great phrase I really liked called um, "critiquing by creating," which is. I love that, right? That's something I've been trying to do for a while now, um, and I do on a smaller scale. But I was never that <laughs> skilled, to be honest with you, to do it on this on this level of you know starting my own business. Um, so I really liked all of that stuff, right? And uh, once again, it was great for her to bring all that up. However, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Throughout this whole thing, I was constantly just just I don't know, cringing, just... uh, In pain, almost. (laughs) Because she kept on focusing on, like, capitalism being the answer, right? On this idea of financial freedom being the answer. And I understand why. Don't get me wrong, right? Like, I 100% understand why, because that's, you know, where she she came from. And she pointed out how, you know, many of the Marxist socialists um, who started these... Who was in fact championing the ideas of of African you know liberation? I keep forgetting they're doing road work over here. Let me turn back, <laughs> where it gets real loud. Um. But yeah, a lot of these people, right? Like it, it's 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 true that in the early in the early stages of um communism, and Marxism, they were the pretty much the only ones really. Really championing for African freedom, for African liberation from colonialization in the early 1900s and things like that. All right, so it makes sense why um, a lot of Africans became some sort of socialist, communist, or or the like. All right, because they're the only ones that cared about Africa at the time. But what she mentioned, and which is also true, a lot of these you know Marxist socialists and communists or whatever um, ended up limiting the country ended up, you know um, pretty much just putting themselves in power (laughs) and uh, putting forth laws and regulations and things like that that ultimately hamstrung, you know, their growth so I understand why she's, you know pro-capitalist and all this other stuff. But my problem <laughs> is that like and this is this goes into another thing I want to talk about today too is like we need to we need to show and do and realize that's what I'm looking for. we need to realize that we can have economic freedom even without capitalism. Right? <laughs> and this is the big thing, so she was saying how, oh, you know, let Africa you know basically perform capitalism and do all these things and all this other stuff. But for some reason, for some reason, I'm not sure if she just didn't realize it, didn't realize these things yet, or, or what, but for some reason, she didn't mention <laughs> that the entire reason... That a lot of these socialist countries and things like that failed was not just due to, you know, some uh, socialism, right? It was actually due to the um, United States operations, <laughs> right? To limit the growth of socialism and communism, right? And this is facts. Like we have, we now have some of the uncensored data. Um, You know some of their activities uh, Operations But there's probably a whole lot more that's not You know released yet But we do know that the CIA And many other Agencies around the world But especially here in America Had operations where they would go And find countries that were You know um, being socialist or communist Or whatever And they would sabotage them They would you know assassinate the leaders and then put in place bad leaders put in place corrupt officials put in place people who they could control or who they knew would not really benefit the country who they knew would basically just be like what we have across a lot of Africa today. We had a lot of um, corrupt folks who are just putting laws just to support their own you know ideas and everything like that. And this is you know this has been their operation for for decades, right not just in Africa but also in uh South America. I think they tried this in the Middle East as well, but um there was a whole lot of other stuff going on there um too so I'm not quite clear if they if they necessarily caused it the middle east problems um but it's definitely true where they have definitely assassinated people in Africa great leaders that 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 was creating really great you know of uh socialist countries and things like that um and I should have did you know looked more into it uh just to have it top of mind to, to talk about but I forgot <laughs> I forgot the names um, cuz I did look into this before and it's it's really sad that she didn't you know realize this, because the biggest problem with capitalism is simply that it's unsustainable. And it requires a massive amount of exploitation. So the entire reason why America and much of the West was able to grow so quickly and were so successful with capitalism is because they could (laughs) exploit the resources of other countries. Why 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 do you think that America's breadbasket, right? A lot of our you know, um corn for instance and and uh, of course manufacturing facilities and things like that are in other countries. Right? People say, oh they're taking the jobs away or whatever. Why do you think that is? <laughs> because it would be unprofitable to do all of that here and have to pay people, you know at a high level (laughs) and have to, you know, follow not just regulations, but just common decency, right? To have reasonable working hours, to have, you know, reasonable safety uh, concerns and things like that. It's unprofitable. And it really, really frustrates me when you have people as like I said, as as enthusiastic as my and I hesitate to call her inspirational because yes, she would be inspirational to other pe- to other people, but if you know anything about capitalism, <laughs> if you know anything about you know how Africa was completely, you know, I'm excuse my language here, but raped like precisely by capital capitalists in the West, then you understand why. I'm not really inspired by that. And uh, furthermore, she goes on to say, oh, you know, there's some youth who, you know, don't, don't want to use, you know, capitalism because the white man use it, right? But, you know, you wouldn't use air just because the, the white man use it, you know? Like, she was using these sorts of uh, arguments there. I, I, I found that kind of insincere. All right because once again, maybe they have a reason <laughs> for not wanting to use this and it's and it's not so simple as oh not wanting to use the concept of money or you know or anything that or trade or whatever. I have a strong feeling that many of these folks understand that it's not merely that they don't want to use you know capitalism or whatever or money or trade, but they understand that capitalism necessarily Right, necessarily requires gross exploitation of your resources, of the environment, of other people, of other countries, and they want to figure out, right, probably, how to do better. How do we do it better? How do we, you know, uh, establish some sort of some sort of economic freedom? How do we start establish some sort of prosperity without Utilizing The same um, The same exploitive Bullshit That got Africa where it is today And I found that Really distasteful and just Frustrating Because she's such an amazing woman Man Such an amazing woman But she's capping Full cape (laughs) For this For capitalism Again, I understand why. Cause you know, like I said, she started businesses. She, you know, went out of the country, and she saw examples of capitalism. You know, seemingly creating a better world. Right when she was younger in Senegal, they didn't have running water and roads and all this other stuff. Then she went over to France and they have all of these things. Right. So see, it's a, it's a, so from when she was a young child, right? She's she's looking at the world from. This perspective of oh you know these countries have it so much better why is that right and the answer she got seemed to be oh because capitalism right but of course that's just the propaganda <laughs> that's just the propaganda of what happened because in reality it wasn't capitalism that created these roads and running water and electricity and all this other stuff it was socialist ideas Right? The entire Green New Deal in America. Right? The entire reason why much of the, the, uh, the country is electrified or has roads or has, you know, um, running water and all this other stuff is because FDR and all these folks was like, hey, <laughs> forget, you know, uh, privatizing all this stuff. We need to, you know, pass this out to, we need to make sure as many Americans have this stuff as possible. During that time, Right? Socialism, communism, and stuff like that was popping off. And this was before, you know, uh Hitler and all these and, these and these folks. So what they were doing, what they realized is that and then again this is rough, but you can look it up this up yourself, you know, Green New the FDR and all this other stuff. But they realized and and this is also true for what was it? Almost a hundred years at that point from the 19 because a lot of these Marxist ideas started in the 1800s, and for a long time, these socialists, these, these Marxists, right, were the sort of champions of morality, right They were over here pointing out like, oh, why do you have slaves? you know why, why don't you allow freedom? Why don't you right? So every time you know um, these Marxists would win out in a, in a, in a kind of intellectual battle, right. Now the new intelligence, the new intellectual class, or whatever, would um, especially in Europe, would point to America and be like, Haha, "Why are you? Why aren't you doing? Why aren't you doing this? Or why are you, you know, so backwards and all this other stuff?" Right. So America was constantly kind of catching up, <laughs> you know, to that level of freedom. That's another thing that people don't realize either. <laughs> but suffice to say that. Um, a lot of the infrastructure that we have in America and a lot of the infrastructure that was in Europe, right, was a result of these socialist, you know, Marxist types of ideals. Trying to get the you know, everybody to have this amount of freedom and equality and all this other stuff. These are the freaking victories <laughs> of, of socialism, right? And again, it failed Not because of, you know, socialism by itself But because once they started to really gain power as a movement Specifically starting in Russia The Bolsheviks and whatnot They were like, oh snap We actually, you know, revolted We took over the government There's no more aristocrats There's no more, you know of the the uh, rich people, <laughs> what do we do now? And so Lenin came along. And was like, oh, we take power, right? I'm I'm simplifying this, obviously, but more or less is more or less how it happened. I believe. You can verify this for for free. <laughs> but to my my knowledge, it was at that point where things started really going bad. At that point where they started to use authoritarian um, means in order to establish a communist country, a nationalist, you know, um, communist country. Which, if you know anything about Marxism, kind of goes against the entire idea. (laughs) All right? The, The problem with communism socialism and whatnot it's not the ideas itself it's the fact that people think or justify to themselves that in order to accomplish this you have to take power you have to control the state and this is why you know i got so much into anarchism myself it's because at the, at the core level There is no misunderstanding with anarchy <laughs> Anybody that actually Knows anything about actual anarchy Not those antcaps because they don't actually know What anarchy is Anybody that actually knows anything about anarchy Knows that it's about Abolition Of all power systems There is no taking power There is no controlling you know, The state for better means Because just the very existence Of the state the very existence of a ruling party, the very existence of a political class creates these myriad of problems that we see today with corruption, with, you know, abuse of power, with um, even destruction of the environment, you know, um, enslavement of peoples, indoctrination, all these things, right, inherently come from an authoritarian regime. So long as you have any sort of political power, party, anything like that, then you will have these abuses of power. And this is how, this is why the anarchists fell out with the communists. This is why today a lot of anarchists are very, very uh, hesitant to work with any sort of communists. So in Africa, what happened was not that, you know, socialism failed Africa, but people who went power failed Africa. She goes into an argument about, oh, you know, shouldn't you allow, um, shouldn't you allow, uh, You know, Africa's economic freedom, if you believe Africa to, you know, you want Africa to prosper. And what's funny to me is that she pointed out how there is a difference between prosperity and, like, the sort of wellness of people, right? The kind of equality of, of, you know, um, rights and things like that, right? She recognizes that these are two separate things. But she still, she thinks, seems to think that prosperity is required in order to have equal rights. That you need prosperity in order to secure equal rights. That you need prosperity in order for Africa to to be respected. And that's where I really, really, really didn't like, you know, how she was going about this. Because if you define prosperity as just simply economic um, freedom as you know having you know a bunch of money and you say you need this in order to have you know equal rights and all this other stuff, that's a problem because not only does that take a long, long time, but that's not really. Um. That's not really certain, <laughs> right? Because a lot of countries are very prosperous. Take Dubai, for instance. But still have no, you know, equality of rights. This is the entire problem with the history of empires. Right? The entire history of empires is is pretty much defined by this. By these empires having massive amount of prosperity but massive amount of inequality as well. All right? Pretty much every empire you can think of was defined by this. And the most egregious examples of this are the ones with the most egregious examples of prosperity. You know Take the Incas and the Aztecs Right They they were They had All these gold mines and things like that To the point where they would Deck themselves out with gold <laughs> This is why You know Columbus when he came along He thought they had You know El Dorado and all this other stuff Because They had so much gold That they would like be, Bejewel themselves with, with gold They would you know Pierce themselves with gold They would you know You know I don't know if they laid the streets with gold But pretty much right You had gold everywhere All these rare materials (laughs) And so on Same thing for Africa Not to that extent Um, Because I think there were some other Ideas of of how you would use gold But that's you know The whole Mali thing Mansa Musa They had so much gold That he was just throwing it out (laughs) Throwing it to people And it crashed the economies of three countries Including Egypt for like a hundred years or more. Like it it's ridiculous the amount of riches and prosperity they had. But in Aztec and um the Aztecs, they had massive amount of inequality. Performed these, you know, human sacrifices and everything like that. Because the rich people, the aristocrats, the the, the wealthy, the most prosperous were like, hey, this is what we need to do in order to maintain our prosperity. We need to sacrifice people, <laughs> right We need to do this, that, and the other. and this is why once again, what I was learning um I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, this is actually why a lot of South America was able to be colonized by Christopher Columbus and his folk because the local people were already um rebelling. <laughs> From this this terrible you know Treatment this terrible inequality And we can see this in an archaeological Data right where you see like The the, the kings and emperors Or whatever their homes are Amazing amazingly detailed And huge and all this other stuff and then Everybody else lives in these little Shacks these little you know (laughs) uh, You know terrible little uh, Dwellings and things like that It's massive amount of inequality And so yeah when Columbus came over, they were rebelling against these emperors, and they saw Columbus with his weaponry and his, you know, all these the 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 folks that he brought along. It was like, oh wow, we can have some help, right? Hey, if you work with us, you know, depose these these <laughs> terrible people, these tyrants, you know, we'll give you access to their gold or whatever, right? We don't really need all this gold, but unfortunately, that was the mistake because, of course. Columbus folks were just as bad. <laughs> just as bad. But the point here is that history is paved, right, by this massive amount of inequality. This massive amount of prosperity living alongside massive amount of poverty. And even here in America, in the 21st century, we see this today. Yes, we may have paved roads and all this other stuff, but again, a lot of that was not because of capitalism, it's because of socialism, it's because of public side, public you know funding, public you know uh, uh projects and things like that. And in fact, what you see is that due to the privatization of all these um services, the services have gone down, right? To to this day A lot of The rural areas of America Do not have great electricity service anymore Do not have Internet access Do not have good roads even Right? Even to this day <laughs> Growing up myself I lived in an unpaved road In Alabama That was when I was super young Right? If you talk to rural anybody that lives in, the, in these really rural areas, they'll probably tell you it's not so great, right? <laughs> and it's funny. It's that's why it's really crazy to me that a lot of these rural areas be capping for folks like Trump and all that. Well, I actually no, I understand why. Because once again, if the, the Democrats right are not actually you know doing these socialist things, are really just capitalists but with a liberal leaning, right? Then they're not actually solving these problems. They're not going out to pave these rural roads. They're not going out to give the electricity and internet access to all these people. The only people who are even offering these things anymore are the private organizations. Why? Because they have privatized the service at all, right? They have pretty much cut it up and, and monopolized it. right? As if they're playing the game Monopoly. They're the only ones even able to offer these services. They made it illegal through their lobbying that municipal places, you know, cities and city governments and state governments can even offer these services. They made it illegal in many places, or made it and t- uh, very impractical. I'm not sure if they mentioned it here, but I was listening to another podcast. They was talking about the tragedy of the commons. I think that was the a- yeah, it was a six Z podcast I was listening to. And I know that's capitalism, you know, galore over there. A six Z, that's a um, Andrews and Horowitz. That's a and a huge investment fund. But I like to listen to it cause I like to understand what these people are saying. And I and I do, you know, find a lot of interesting ideas there. I've been listening to it since before I, I you know, turned my back against capitalism. Since out the since my trillionaire days. But there they were talking about all oh, the tragedy of the commons and all this other stuff. But the 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 tragedy of the commons, for those that don't know the the, the propaganda here, right? That the quote-unquote idea of the tragedy of the commons is that if you have a common area where everybody can just do what they want to do, then the entire area will degrade because everybody will be selfish and you know not really, um, you know, um, handle things well. So, for instance, a uh, example that that's often you know given here, um, I'm not a supposedly historical example. It's like these people with a bunch of cattle and a huge, you know, grass area or whatever and everybody like has their own cattle. And so they would just if they just if they all just let their cattle graze um however they however much they want, then that grassland area would um be used up. And then none of them would benefit, you know, the commons area would be depleted. All right? And that's the <laughs> argument for the tragedy of the commons. But that entire story is completely made up, like it's it's not even <laughs> or at least co- almost completely you know manipulated. What actually happened in that area, I think it was some area in the u k whatever was that for hundreds, if not thousands of years, these cattle people, these these people would live in this area with their cattle, and they would you know it was common so it was there were no fences or anything like that. they would let their cattle graze. But they were a community. So they would talk to each other about, oh, when should we, you know, who whose cattle should graze when, how much cattle, all this other stuff, right? They would communicate that. But then, I think it was during the Industrial Revolution or whatever, these um some of the commoners started becoming super rich. Or you had some, you know, um merchants come over and buy this land up. Do the yeah, I think that was actually it because for most for a long time, commoners weren't actually able to own the land. It was you know owned primarily by the 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 king and during the industrial Revolution, the king was like, "Oh, certain merchants, you can now buy land right um well really the, the merchants <laughs> they, they went through a whole thing, but it was like trying to push for that um This is where the idea of left and right even came from but I've talked about that before let <laughs> me get getting off track but yeah the, these merchants came over and started buying up the land. It was like, okay, this is now my land. With these commoners on it. Right? And then they would fence it off. It would say, okay, this is this part is my land now. And that destroyed the, the 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 community. So now these cattle these cattle folks weren't really able to easily communicate with each other because you had giant fences, right, between their property. And the cattle weren't able to go where they used to go. Right? They weren't able to graze as far or as wide anymore. And so now this massive common area Was split into these smaller privatized areas And so each uh, Area Was now you know Under some merchant or whatever And the, there was like little slices Of commons left <laughs> In between these private areas And that's what got degraded Because nobody really wanted these le- just, just leftovers Right it was not enough for any, anybody to, to you know upkeep and that part got, you know, degraded, depleted. And that's the tragedy of the commons. And this is this is real. Like you can look this up. Look up the truth behind the tragedy of commons or whatever, right? So the point here is that privatization, capitalization is the freaking cause of many of our problems, right? The entire idea of private property Is what creates massive inequality, is what creates exploitation of the environment, is what creates, you know, um, even exploitation of people. So when you say, oh, capitalism, private property, you know, all this other stuff is going to be, you know, what we need to prosper, prosperity is what we need. To me, that makes me extremely sad and frustrated because history does not show that. History has all this data. And it's showing us quite the opposite (laughs) And it's That's really the most successful thing capitalism has ever done To make us think that people are incapable Of living a free life That people are incapable of managing Space and resources on their own That propaganda has been the most successful thing and is pretty much the the linchpin for the entire capitalist project. And it frustrates me me so much when people who care so much about, you know, Africa, about all these or any, you know, unequal place who just want to make a better world do not see this. And instead cap for the very thing... That has destroyed them... That is destroying them... And that will continue to destroy them... Because what's what's really... And what's scary about capitalism too... Is that you do see some... Level of success... Right? You see some short term gains... Because you can quickly put out... You know... Say "Oh, I want to build a company... I'm going to solve this problem... Put out this service Boom You can do that But then what happens What happens to those resources That you were using All right? Because eventually You're going to run out Especially because The entire Especially on a global scale With capitalism Where you can now Make a product And sell it to anyone Around the world You are incentivized To maintain This level of production Or even scale That production and so you're incentivized to keep on using these resources, keep on using them. Regardless of how they're getting depleted. You might find some, you know, short-term ways to uh, uh, make it more efficient. Yeah. But inevitably, the 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 uh comes due. It comes due where where the resources start to run out. And there's no amount of things you can do. To make this happen faster or make it replenish faster, especially if you simply don't understand why it was actually you know depleted in the first place, if especially if we don't understand what's going on there, once you deplete these certain resources, it's probably going to be it for a while until the earth itself can you know replenish. This is why we still haven't figured out how to, you know, reinvigorate um, farmland that has been become uh, uh, deserted, desertified. Right? What well, people don't realize is that a lot of the, for instance, the Dust Bowl, a lot of farmlands has become deserts. Deserts. Like, it's, it's completely different, you know, um, geography now. We have this lush, fertile land. And now it's just sand. And, and the worst kind of sand too. Like like fine sand that you can't actually do anything with. You can't even build with it because it has no structure to it. Just sand. So what really worries me is that, you know. They're going to, you know, Be successful Some level of successful And then exploit a lot of the environment Or other people around the area And it just Becomes worse and worse The entire area Just gets completely destroyed Right Because what's really bad too Especially now trying to do this Is that a lot of the world Is already you know tapped out (laughs) with uh, climate change and everything it's going to be extremely difficult for people to use the same amount of exportation that supported capitalism for the last couple hundred years um, into the future because in the next few years to decades (laughs) the world is going to be very very different and you may think that you're developing something prosperous but then the climate changes, right? And then you have some massive floods Flash fires, all this other stuff happens And now your, your whole thing is wiped out Now what? Right? And again, I'm not saying that Africa shouldn't be prosperous Or anything like that No If anything, I'm saying <laughs> If you really care about prosperity Then you have to look into What creates long-term prosperity you have to redefine prosperity from just money, bunch of, just having a bunch of money, to having a stable, sustainable resource allocation system, resource um, using, like, uh, uh, you know, management system, if you will. Look at these hunter gatherer cultures, for instance, that were able to maintain their way of life for thousands of years. That to me is prosperity. And the reason that they went, you know, a lot of these died out was not because they, you know, were, were, were poor or were in, unable to find food and resources and, and to live in housing and everything like that. No. It's because of these private organizations, these nationalist countries, these nations and everything like that, going and taking the land that they would use. Just like the tragedy of the commons. So to me, the question is, how can we create technologies and, in fact, companies, entrepreneurial spirits that are able to solve problems and, you know, build solutions that are inherently sustainable, right? How can we create a community that does not need money? How can you create an economic system meaning a system of trade? Right? And that's really what economy is. It's not about money. It's about trading. Money is supposed to be a proxy for trade. It's supposed to be a tool for trade. So how can you create an actual economy, a system of trade, that does not require this monetary system that abstracts what's actually being used in the in the in the in the environment and the, re- the resources all right money is supposed to allow you to manage resources but it doesn't because how much how much resources are being used when you have five dollars when you have 500 when you have five thousand? how does that tell you anything about the resources in an area it tells you jack shit if anything it allows you to utilize more and more resources without even thinking about it so long as you have more money you're thinking more about the money Than you are about resources available in the area Classic freaking um, uh, What do you call it? Measurement bias I forgot the exact name That dude Good Heart's effect Right? Where the measurement of a thing Becomes the goal <laughs> Right? and you're trying to lose weight and you're thinking more about how many pounds have you lost rather than are you actually fit? Can you run this amount of time? Can you, you know, do these these activities? Can you, you know, do you feel fit? Same thing happens for pretty much anything. The thing you're supposed to, like the the thing you're supposed to measure against becomes the new goal instead of you know it distracts you from your actual goal. And that's what has happened with money. Money is supposed to just be a measurement of how much resources you're using and how it's allocated and things like that. But instead, it has become the goal itself, to the point where most people don't even think about the resources. In fact, it's almost impossible to understand, you know, resources in terms of uh, money. And when you do put a qualitative value on it or quantitative value on it, say, oh, this this forest is worth. This amount of money It's probably wrong <laughs> Because the truth is We don't understand How inter-interchange How interconnecting everything is We don't understand that If you remove this forest How it will affect The overall environment For years Decades Maybe even hundreds of years to come We just don't understand that So my question is How can we create an, How can we create An economic system How can we how can we create prosperity? How can we create um, allow entrepreneurs and all this other stuff, but still actually pay attention to the actual resources in an area to actually, you know, understand or, or I don't even want to say measure, but <laughs> actually see if people are being are living better lives. Right not just surface level lives, like do you have more convenience? do you have more you know random you know things, but no how how much do they actually enjoy their lives? Is depression and anxiety and you know psychopathy, sociopathy and all these other things are these low? Because if you have more of these uh conditions. Then you don't have wellness. <laughs> your, your people are not well. That's what you see in America. We have massive levels of anxiety, depression, you know, uh, psychopathy, sociopathy. You know, people you know, killing people. It's because we are not well. Because <laughs> despite all this prosperity, we don't have any wellness. And that's what we have to figure out. So I ended up spending a lot of time, and I have to get back to work. But one thing I really wanted to touch on is how we can create businesses that aren't capitalist. How can we create entrepreneurs and you know solve problems without use, utilizing some monetary system? I do have ideas for this, so I want to share that next time. And uh, actually, let me let me check something. One quick.